This podcast is brought to you by King's Council Coaching. The mission of the King's Council is to help you discover, develop, and deploy your God-given talents and abilities. In order to leave a legacy, you need to live your legacy of excellence through the five power pillars, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and financial. Now, our programs are specifically designed to give you the blueprint and strategies that you need to gain an edge in the most important areas of your life. If you're an entrepreneur ready to upgrade your finances and align yourself with other powerful kingdom-minded men and women, visit kingscouncilcoaching.com to start your legacy of excellence today. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Chosen Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Spittler, Director of Member Relationships here at the King's Council. And this week, I have a friend of mine on, Tabitha Perry. Tabitha, great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Caleb. Now, Tabitha is a wife, mom, life coach, uh, helping people organize their lives. So I personally am really excited to ask you a lot of questions about uh, organization and and how to get uh, some of those things sorted out in my own life. Um, But why don't we start with uh, how you originally got involved with King's Council? Yeah, so I wanted to be a life coach and I wanted to help people. And then I realized I have no like business background. And so I had hired coaches to help me and they were fantastic with the practical things, but I really needed kind of the mental support and just being around other entrepreneurs. And honestly, I just kind of wanted something for myself. And so I was looking around for different coaching groups and um, my husband and I got invited to go to the marriage retreat and we met um, Riley and he was just so wonderful and Ash and, and all the other people involved in King's Council. And so I decided like, I think this is the type of crew that I would want to be around. And I just really loved the balance part of like all the pillars Um, and so it was really scary, but then I committed to it, which is kind of funny because a lot of, um, the people are, are guys in the group. And so most people assume that it's my husband who is part of the group, which he's not. And so that's, that's kind of fun. I'm like, nope, it's just me. I love to go on the trips. I like to do all the things. And I grew up with a bunch of guys, so I don't mind being around a bunch of guys. Well, I think King's Council, part of the original vision was that it would just be for men, but then we had some powerhouse entrepreneurial women like yourself who kind of kicked down those doors and said, uh, no, I think you need to make some space for us as well. So uh, now we have some amazing women involved with King's Council. But but yeah, I think it's true. A lot of times people can have a measure of expertise in their life in terms of wisdom and experience, but not necessarily have the business side of things of, okay, how do I take all this business, my own expertise that I've done in my own life and helped other people out, but how do I turn this into an actual business? Um, so it's just been such a joy to get to know you and your husband more when he's been around mm-hmm. for things. Um, but uh, why don't you give us a little bit of your background? I'm really excited to hear more about your yeah, story. So I was born and raised in Juneau, Alaska, which is actually a temperate rainforest. And you can't drive in or out of oh, wow. it. And so it's a very isolating place to live um, and always rainy. And here being in Minnesota, you know, when we have gray days, like one or two, it's like so depressing. I'm sure you have that in Wisconsin as well. But in Alaska, in Juneau, yes. it's like always gray and drizzly, but it made everything so beautiful and green all the time. Um, so you take the good with the bad, right? Well, my dad worked for the airlines, and so that allowed me to travel a lot. So even though I was kind of stuck in this small little community in Alaska, I got out and got to meet people and see different cultures and different places, and that kind of allowed me to um, get outside my comfort zone. Otherwise, it would have been really hard <laughs> growing up in that small little town. Um, so my parents got divorced when I was about seven, and thankfully they had like the most amicable um, divorce. And so I went back and forth between them. And um, my mom started going to church at that point. And she sent me off to Bible camp. And that's where I accepted Jesus into my heart. I remember sitting on um, like this cabin step and just looking out at the amazingness that God had created of Alaska, right? It's just 
It makes you feel so small and you just have to believe something bigger and more intentional and loving created everything, Mm -hmm. right? And I remember feeling so lonely because being an only child, bouncing back and forth, like I just was always really lonely. And I remember learning about Jesus and that he'd be my friend and that he would never leave me, never forsake me and just always be my friend. And so that's when I was like, I want that. I want him in my life and was able to accept him into my heart. So um, from there, I was really involved in my church and um, mentoring young girls and life was going great. Um, Then kind of some things happened in my life where I was really hurt and um, an older man came into my life and took some things from me that I didn't want to give up at that age. And I had to learn how to... um, reconcile that God loved me and bad things still happen to good people Mm. and it didn't make me a bad person um, and I was still worthy but that took a lot of years to get there right Uh, so Mm. I've always had a heart for people again feeling lonely and uh, unsure of themselves and so I just really enjoyed working with people actually in the correction system Um, back to the comment about growing up with guys, since I didn't have any um, siblings, my mom did a really good job of getting all the neighborhood kids to come over to my house. And so they were all boys. And so one boy in particular, Alex, uh, we grew up together since we were three. And he ended up going to juvie at 14 and was incarcerated for most of his life. Thankfully, now he's doing great. Um, But anyhow, I got really interested in the justice system because I knew he was a good guy. He was my brother. Like, I loved him, but he made poor choices. And so um, I was able to go to school and get my um, bachelor's in criminal justice and then moved on to get my master's in social work, really just to help those that were feeling um, lost, forgotten, ignored, and kind of on the outskirts of society. Let's go back to what you had said about, um, to me, it sounds like dealing with shame uh, a little bit, um, because it's something that I think comes off pretty often in the Christian world, where somebody uh, makes a commitment to follow Jesus, um, but then has some kind of areas uh, in their life that they're not proud of, or, or some kind of sin, or, or something like that. And I think some people have a hard time ever recovering from that. So how were you able to overcome shame in your life? And I know you mentioned work working with other people who are dealing with shame, what are really the steps to freedom when it comes to dealing with some of those things? Well, first I had to identify that I was even ashamed. For a while, I had reframed it in my mind that I was actually the powerful one and that I had chosen this and this was something that I had wanted. And being able to identify like, no, that wasn't actually the reality of it. That was just a tactic I had used to get through that season of my life. And to identify that, wow, I feel ashamed. I feel ashamed that that happened to me. Mm -hmm. And then the next step was doing something about it, starting to speak it. Because I didn't tell people what had happened to me. And not from the perspective of being taken advantage of. And so then Mm -hmm. um, when I was about the age that the guy was when he... Um, pursued me and I had had my first daughter, I was really triggered. And so I went to therapy. So honestly, that was like the biggest thing for me. And I only went to two sessions, but it was the most empowered, like impactful two sessions of just forgiving myself and asking God to help me be okay with my story and that it doesn't define who I am, but it's definitely helped me grow and be stronger and to um, empathize with others. Yes. So good. So tell us a little bit about uh, your life now, what you're doing now, and and really what excites you in terms of helping other people. Yeah. So I, um, like I said, I'm a life coach, but I actually did not like life coaches. I super judged them, thought that they were ridiculous. Because I had gone to school for a long time to get my master's, right? I was going to go into the counseling field. um, And these life coaches were like making way more money, having more flexibility with their life, having so much fun, right? Um, And so thankfully, the Lord put enough people in my life that introduced me to life coaching like this positive way. And I realized that I can incorporate all of the skills that I had learned Um, getting my master's in social work and all of my background and create this beautiful business that I can actually love on women and men too in a way that 
God uniquely made me. And so, um, but I didn't get to that point until I was actually really lost. I realized after I'd had my second child that I had written out my life up until having kids, that I had had all these goals and I literally had checked all of them off, but I had nothing after that. And so I went through this like season of searching and reading books and talking with other women of like, how did you know what your purpose was? What are you supposed to do with your life after you have these kids? I'm this good Christian woman. I'm supposed to stay home with my kids, right? Like this is supposed to be enough, but it wasn't like I knew God made like had more for me. Um, And so through just a lot of time and effort and um, seeking other women's um, advice, then I I took one little baby step and I took one course on life coaching just to see if I would even like it. And it just blew my mind, the amazingness, because it was a faith-based life coaching class. Mm-hmm. And it just talked about how the Holy Spirit like is in it and that can like give you that discernment and help you just help others, um, which I was really inspired about. So at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. But how does one start a business? Like... I help all my friends for free, but now I'm supposed to charge for this. Like, what does this even mean? How do I do that? And so honestly, I'm still on the journey with it because I am a mom and a wife, number one, and then a business owner. And so protecting my time and keeping that balance is really important, which also means I'm a little bit slower um, in the game than some who are the primary breadwinners in their family. Yeah, I can totally relate to what you're saying about life coaching, um, you know, because there's so many, I think with life coaching, there's so many, um, there's so much varying degree of expertise, you know, somebody with almost no expertise can just say, hey, I'm a like life coach, I'm an expert in this field, uh, when really they're faking it, they don't actually uh they shouldn't really be mentoring people at that stage of their life. And so I can totally relate when someone would tell me they're a life coach. I'm just like, uh, okay. <laughs> like you don't actually have a real job, which is funny now that we both work in the coaching industry, yeah. uh, having judged it, but really you can package it up different ways, but life coaching, or if you want to call it mentorship or consultation or all the different things, it really comes back to education, community, accountability, things that we all know are incredibly important. I mean, people pay, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year to go to college and get an education, which at least for me was mostly playing video games and hanging out with my you friends. You were one of those. You know, but <laughs> I was, I was, I I played soccer in college. So I went to college to play Mm -hmm. sports first. And then the education was definitely somewhere down the line there. But, um, but yeah, how have you seen life coaching be transformative within the people that you work with? Why do you think life coaching is important? Right. So life coaching to me is this, um, it's kind of on a spectrum, right? So you've got negative 10, zero, positive 10. And therapy helps you get from like negative 10 to zero, kind of like this baseline, like you're doing good in life, you're fine. And then life coaching gets you from zero to positive 10. It pushes you just a little bit outside of your comfort zone. So you're, you're growing, you're doing things. Otherwise, you kind of just live life and realize, wow, I lived my whole life and didn't really do as much as I wanted to do, right? Like, oh, time just flew by. You hear people say that, right? Well, it did. You're right. Um, But actually, it didn't because time is the same. It's your perspective. It's what you're doing with it. Um, So life coaching has been really cool to kind of take this growth minded uh, mindset. And that's not how I I was raised. Like, I'm very much very linear thinker. Um, Again, I worked in the justice system. Things are black and white. Things should be a certain way. But the Lord has been able to expand my mind and also um, understand that there are ways that are like really good, but for specific personalities. So it's been really cool as a life coach to be able to meet a woman, right? Hear about her life, hear who she is and help her figure out how to create order in her life specifically for her, which is going to look very different for each of us, right? how you create order in your life, Caleb, right? Versus your wife even. And that's where it's always fun in a marriage too, is to like, how are we going to do this and figure it out together? Um, but anyhow, life right. coaching has just been so fun of helping other women grow and um, really realize who they are. And again, it was from my own journey of forgetting who I was, not really having any goals after having kids and really wanting um just to feel empowered and to empower others. 
That's so good. I've actually never heard it explained like that from therapy being mostly dealing with problems, whereas life coaching is really drawing out the potential and the excellence and the God-given desires, purpose um, that he's put inside of each one of us. And I think that a lot of um, women who I've talked to who can feel like they're going crazy because they feel like all I do every day is, you know, clean dishes and wipe butts and do laundry. And is there something else that that God has called me to? I mean, can you speak to if someone's listening to this and they're in that place right now where they feel like they are just keeping, you know, the keeping the house together, but they feel like there's something more that God might have put inside to uh, inside of them. Can you speak to that? Yeah, a little bit? I also want to speak to their spouses because many times it's the spouses that pick up on it first that their wife is just discontent mm. and frustrated, but they're not even mm. sure why because life is actually fine. Like it's exactly planned out the way that you talked about it, but it's just still right. not like there's just not this alignment. Um, and so I just want to like honor both of those people in the situation that you're in, that it is completely normal, right? We have these expectations of what Mm. we think we need to do. And God wants us to maybe get to that point, but maybe he does want us to pivot. And that also requires time. And so give yourself time and grace to like figure out what it is. Margin too. You have to have enough quiet and space and time to even figure out what it is that you want to do. So I needed time. So I put my kids in daycare. So I could literally have time during the day that I did nothing. I love just to sit and think, which is a benefit of being an only child because I've spent a lot of time by myself. But just having time to think and that allowed me to be like, oh yeah, like I've always loved working with women and I love um, helping women who are feeling the challenges in their life. And so then I was able to take a step and then another step. And so encouraging a woman organ the spouse to just to sit down and ask, what do you want? What do you want? And give yourself space and time to really just figure it out. Write it out. If you don't like to write it out, like record a video or, you know, your voice um, and just allow yourself to flow of what's in your mind and what it is you truly want. I think there's some really challenging things in what you said there. Um, well, first off, I think it's it's great to just figure out what it is that we want. I don't think any of us just naturally drift into the health that we want or the finances we want or the marriage we want. These things require intentionality, and they require setting up some kind of plan or intention uh, behind it. But you talked about um, quiet and space and time, which... Something you said recently uh, regarding the marriage event that we're doing, we're doing a kingdom marriage advancement coming up here, and we're so excited to have you and your spouse yes. with us. Um, but you said something that, you know, it's never easy. It's never convenient. Obviously, there's a cost to it. You have to find sitters for the kids. You have to figure out travel. You have to pay to come to the event. There's so much investment that go, goes into just getting away for a couple of days to focus on your marriage. Um, so... I mean, is it worth it? You know, I think some people can feel like, man, just a, it's so much sacrifice even to just get that space. How do people start to make that happen in mm-hmm. their life? Oh, that's so good. Um, and that's a hard one. And each person is different on the journey of their relationship with quiet, right? Many times the quiet meant things were unsafe. Many times the quiet like has never even existed. And so just to like be curious, don't like judge yourself if you feel uncomfortable in the quiet, like sitting by yourself. Just get curious of like, why does this make me feel the way that it does? And how can I like best use this time to understand who I am and most importantly, understand who God is and how he created me. Um, And so practice, it's really what it comes down to it. Like, you know, someone isn't going to sit down for hours at a time their first time. They're probably going to sit down, like set a timer for two minutes, turn everything off and just allow yourself the two minutes. And honestly, in in your car, in the garage is like the most quiet <laughs> it'll ever be. Um, so I like to sit in my, my car in the garage a lot and sometimes hide, you know. that's great uh yeah i think that's that's so true we live in in such an age where we always have access to our phone to connection to you know entertainment and we can constantly be stimulating our mind um 
I mean, do you think that affects people's creativity or, or their ability to just, whether it be hear God or even hear some of their own desires? Yeah. So if you think about walking into like your grandma's house, right? And she's got all the knickknacks and it's just every wall is covered, right? You walk in and you just kind of feel yes. like claustrophobic. Our brain can feel yes. that way too, right? With all of the thoughts, yes. all of the sounds, all of the feelings, all of the to-dos, the wishes, the dreams. So many times we have to like order what's in our mind. And that's what I help a lot with is creating order internally as well as externally because they both relate to to you. Mm. And it's just so important, again, to just acknowledge where you're at and be okay with it to know that God brought you to this place for a reason. And if you're wanting to make that change, to give yourself some time and to allow yourself to like empty out your brain, kind of like a computer, right? Sometimes you have to like download everything off of it and then you put the stuff back on it that you that you want, right? And sometimes just doing yes. a brain download is really helpful. Just get every single thought, every single feeling out and it talks about, you know, the truth, like it'll set you free. And sometimes just writing something out will literally release it from your mind. It will release it and just surrender it to the Lord. And then you're able to not have that clutter in your mind. And sometimes you're going to have to do it often. I have to do it often. And then sometimes I even forget to do it. And like, why am I so stressed? Oh, yeah. Like I need to do a download, right? And just like get it all out so I don't have to feel so cluttered. I remember hearing someone talk about how we start to hear God. And the first thing they said was, we just have to start to, you know, kind of dial down everything in our mind. We have so many voices. We have so many noises. We have so many things that, oh, I can't forget this. I have to do that. We have our running to-do list. And I do think it's really hard to even have a relationship with God uh, when our minds are so busy and disorganized. And I think especially for high achievers, people that are, are um, you know, movers and shakers, they're on the go. A lot of times they can sit down with the Lord and they're like, okay, here we go. I got 10 minutes. Go ahead, God, speak. And it's like, okay, there is actually a process. I mean, same thing with a relationship with your spouse. You know, try that where <laughs> you want to take your spouse out to a nice date. You're not just going to sit down like, okay, let's interact. Let's have a great time. Let's laugh. There is something relational about it. And I do think there's a this process of weeding out um, some of these things in our minds, or like you said, just putting it down on paper, organizing it and saying, okay, which things do I want to take with me uh, throughout my day and which things are just not serving me or serving the things that God's put in front of me uh, in this season? Absolutely. And it's such a, it's a fun um, thing to do with your spouse too, because then you can kind of get to see what's on their mind, right? Yes. That is, that is. So uh, let's talk about order a little bit. Um, I, when I was, I did go to a, a Christian college, so we had spent some time focusing on Genesis. And then I also did a, a it was kind of like a Bible school. And we spent um, really almost four months just focusing on Genesis 1, where we broke down every word in Genesis 1. And they talked about um, how uh, really, when Adam and Eve came into the the garden, that part of the world was garden, but the rest of the world was chaos. And one of the primary reasons that God designed humans was to take chaos, all these weeds and 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 you know all the vegetation that was growing throughout the the earth, and to actually bring order to it. And w that means pulling out weeds and planting and watering, working the land bringing out the potential of the the earth. Um, and so I know order is, is kind of your jam. So talk to us about why order is important. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you nailed it. God is a God of order. He is not a God of chaos. And so I, again, with my brain, I just like things categorized and ordered. And I know not every brain operates that way, and that's okay. It doesn't mean your brain is bad. It just means that you organize it differently, right? There is still order and organization in each of our brains. It's just you have to be aware of how it operates and then how to communicate it. Um, and so my favorite part about the creation story is the last day. And it's the rest part because it's the hardest, right? Like give me a to-do list and I will nail it, right? 
but tell me to sit and relax. (laughs) That's something that I'm still really struggling with. But in order to have energy to create order, you have to have that margin. It just does not happen. You Mm -hmm. will burn yourself out. You will not have the relationships that you want. All of it, if you just continue to go, 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 go. And so creating order in your relationships with yourself, with God, with others, right? Your internal environment, your external environment, whatever it is that you're trying to take the chaos and create order in it, it's so important to create that space and time, again, to understand on how to organize it. Because how I organize it is going to be different than how you do it, Caleb, right? And so there Mm. are so many voices out there that tell us how to do it. Creating that space and time for ourselves allows us to figure out that unique way that we need to do it. So for a woman who's a stay-at-home mom, this may mean her really identifying what her role is, right? So get really specific in that role as a mom, as a wife. And so she creates order in her life of these are the things that I expect of myself, right? Almost like a job description. That's putting these expectations into orderly fashion. So at the end of the day, you can feel like you actually accomplished something versus like, I swear I started out the day the house was clean. It is dirty now. I feel like I am back to square one. What am I even doing with my life, right? Or even the entrepreneur, right? Like you've nailed it. You just um, have a, a bunch of clients, but then some things start to kind of unravel, right? And so being able to create order and figure out what it is you need, you need to take that time to rest in order to have the energy to sustain you. So help me out here. I mean, I'm your ideal client right now. I, so I, you know, I'm, I'm married. I have three little kids, four year old, a two year old, a one year old baby on the way. Um, (laughs) yeah. And, um, you know, obviously we're, we're doing a ton with King's council, um, where I function like a pastor in my church. Um, so, you know, serving people there. Um, and I try to, you know, I want to, take my health seriously. It feels like I have a million things, a million plates that I'm spinning. And sometimes I'll write out like a really detailed, okay, here's my plan for the week. And then next thing you know, the two-year-old's got a rash and has to go to the doctor. The car's broken down. We got to take that into the shop. You know, this person in the church is having some issues. We got to go meet with them. And I feel like my plans can go out the window. I try to budget in some time for spontaneity or some time for margin. Just help me out a little bit. Where would you start for someone like me that feels like, man, every time I focus on one area of my life, it seems like another area of my life starts to fall apart. How do I How do I start to organize some of these sure. things? So the first thing that I would suggest is to identify those things that are chaos and those things that are messy. And the difference is that messiness is normal in growth. Anytime that you're growing and pushing yourself, like pushing the limits, it's going to feel a little bit messy, right? Like maybe your workout schedule or you're eating, like it's still kind of not quite there yet because you're, you're learning, you're growing, right? And maybe you're overcommitted, right? And that's that chaos part of like, there just isn't any way around it. And that's where there needs to be some yeses and some nos, right? Every time you say yes to something, mm. you're saying no to something else and vice versa, And also realizing that there are seasons, right? So knowing if all of this, all these plates that you're spinning, right? If Is this just a season or is this just kind of something that you're expecting yourself to do forever? And to be, to ask yourself, what do you want? You know, is this something that you want? And then if it is, then being able to probably bring your wife on board and be like, okay, this is feeling like a lot. How can we rearrange some things? Because you guys are teammates, right? It's so important to figure out what you want individually, but then to come together with your spouse and to be able to support each other and each other's goals. I hope our listeners just heard that. This is going to set you free right now. What Tabitha just said is going to set you free that if we learn to figure out some kind of vision for our lives, you know, what do we actually want? And then the things that come into our lives that don't line up with the vision that God's given us for our lives, you say no to. I want all of our listeners to practice this right now. No, those words will set you free. 
Because, and I think there's often something emotional that's going on with people at times, people that can't say no to anyone. Uh, oftentimes, there's something that's not quite right there and that you don't have peace with who you are. You don't have peace with your identity in Christ. I think there is something of people pleasing that can get in there where, where people are, you're saying yes out of guilt or compulsion. You're not saying yes from a place of, yeah, this is where I want to sow my time, my energy, my attention. Can you speak to that? Was that ever an issue in your life that you had trouble saying no and you overcommitted yourself and you found yourself not doing anything in excellence, doing everything poorly? Can you speak to that I a little bit? I still do. As many as much as I work on it, right? Like we're all human and I feel like there's seasons that I'm nailing it. I'm so good at saying no and so good at then like figuring out the yeses. Um but I've just kind of come out of a really really full season where I had a lot going on. So I'm allowing myself to say a lot of no's right now because I'm protecting my energy, my time because I want to show up as the best wife, the best mom and the best life yes. coach as I can. And no one else is going to do that for me. I have to protect my energy and my time. So knowing that I'm coming out of kind of this messy, chaotic situation and protecting it. So I know that like there's a lot more no's. And so maybe just to like give yourself permission that there's going to be times where no's are going to be more often. And then other times that you're going to have margin for a lot of yeses, but to also be aware of the obligatory no's. And I, I'm really good at like pleasing people. Like I'm a chameleon. I can kind of sense what someone wants and then like be able to provide that, which is really good in some areas of my life. But then it really gets confusing of like, well, what do I actually want? Which is why it's such a good question to be like, what do I want? Right. And to be able to say the yes or the no confidently and step into it and to know it will feel uncomfortable and people will be disappointed in you. But that does not define you. God defines you. So good. All right. So I'm going to put you on the spot. We're going to practice this okay. right now um, because I think a lot of people can feel like, oh, that, that's going to feel rude or, or how do I, I do this? So uh, if I say, hey, Tabitha, I see that you do a lot of great things on social media. You seem really good on social media. You're, you're really good at creating graphics. Um, you know, I'm not in a place where I can pay you for that right now, but I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind running my social media account for me. You know, I'll send you quotes and if you could just build graphics and, and would you be able to run my social media account? I would say thank you so much for seeing what I put out there and complimenting me and feeling comfortable asking me this. It is not really my skill set and actually doesn't bring me a whole lot of joy. However, I know several people that I can refer you to. So let me get you their names. Woo, just like that. That wasn't that hard. <laughs> I feel like you've, uh, you've had some practice doing that. But again, if you're listening, this will set you free where you think that you have to please people and that's what determines your value. It's not. Like if you start from that place of rest, again, go back to Genesis, uh, the way that the day actually started was in the evening. So when does your day start? It actually is night first, and then your day starts. We start from a place of rest. And when you know Jesus as the Savior of your life, you're not trying to earn God's favor, but you know that you already have God's favor. Then we can start to work from a place of rest, and we do things that we want to do as opposed to we do things that we have to do, otherwise we feel like we are never enough. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've noticed this talking to, obviously I sit with a ton of, of high performance people that never being enough thing is something that, you know, people that are ultra successful financially, ultra successful in fitness, ultra successful in certain areas of their life. Oftentimes you peel back the layers and there is a drive and I'm not always, there are some people that aren't this way, but it's not uncommon for me to sit with a high performer that feels like they are always trying to find some kind of approval. They're trying, they're, it's like they're searching for peace. Well, once I get that next paycheck, once I get that next house, once I get those abs, whatever it is, then my soul will have peace. How do people find peace in their life? If they feel like, I feel like I am never enough, how does the soul find true rest? Oh, man. So what came to mind when you were saying that, and I, I completely relate, I never feel like I'm enough, right? Never skinny enough, never mm-hmm. the best mom, never the best wife, all the things. Those are all thoughts, right? And our thoughts affect our feelings and then our feelings affect what we do. So we're never going to be able to control our feelings, but we can control our thoughts. So right, 
So if you're feeling like, oh, just depleted and ashamed because you're not where you should be, it's it's a thought of this not enough, right? And to be able to go back to the biblical, you know, scripture of who God says that you are, which is why I love King's counsel and our personal contracts, right? So there's times that I'm like, okay, okay, what's my contract? What's my contract, Tabitha, right? And like, I am bold. I am strong. I am courageous and I am consistent. I'm a child of God. Like that helps me realign who I am and how I'm able to operate. And yes, there are still going to be intrusive thoughts that I'm never enough. That's just always going to happen. Like that is so, so normal. And I wish people talked about it more. And actually, um, I have this great therapist. And so we, we talked about naming that, that voice, right? So you don't feel like it's a part of you. It's like an external thing, right? And when something's external, it just has less power, right? And so mine, you know, it can be like Francesca, right? Like Francesca, you're not going to tell me I'm not enough right now, right? Like you don't get to do that. I know who I am. So the point being that our feelings don't affect us, right? Our thoughts do. And so when you have this thought, <clears throat> I'm not enough, go to the evidence, prove, prove that you're not enough, right? If you are successful, if you are doing all of these amazing things, look at all the positive. And that's where the like affirmations and gratitude, all of that comes in is because that can compete with those thoughts of I'm not enough. Now, I'm not an affirmations person. I think that they're kind of silly unless like I really believe it. Like I'm not going to say something. Um, but I think it's really important to look at the positive and have that drive you and realize that you are enough because God created you. Like the fact that you're on this earth already made you enough. It's interesting watching. I always like um, hearing what culture has to say about these things. When I say culture, I mean outside of the church, um, outside of the Christian world, because um, it's something to me, I like listening to pop music uh, quite a bit, which people might think I'm lame for. But um, yeah, I actually like listening to pop music because I just like hearing what the the voices of the day are saying. And um, one of the things that I found to be really interesting is this movement of you know, it it used to be like, hey, yeah, you have to do this, you have to do that so that you can achieve perfection, whatever it is. And then the the narrative kind of changed to, hey, you're perfect just the way you are. Like, you don't have to change a thing, uh, which I think is also not true. You know, if I just said, yeah, Tabitha, you're perfect just the way you are. You know, there's no issues with you. You're absolutely everything. The way you're living life right now is absolutely perfect. You have no flaws. It's like, well, no, that's not actually true either. So here's the gospel, if you're listening. The truth is that you actually aren't perfect. You have sins, you have flaws, but there's a man named Jesus who came to earth. He died for your sins. He paid for your sins. The Bible says that he took on your sins, and he also gave you his righteousness, meaning that God sees you as if you're his perfect son. So are you perfect? No. But does God actually see you in perfect righteousness? Yes, on your worst day, on Tabitha's worst day, when she argues with her husband, when she doesn't take care of the kids in the way that she should have, when she eats 10 donuts, not that you would ever do any totally of these things, but, things. <laughs> um, <laughs> but on your worst day, it's not only that God just tolerates you. It's not that God looks down from heaven with his arms crossed saying, mm, shame, shame, shame. No, the truth is Jesus actually paid for that and God enjoys you. He actually enjoys who you are because of the righteousness of Christ that he's given us, given us as a free gift. You cannot earn the favor of God. You already missed it, but there's a free gift. So right now, whether you're listening in your car, um, you know, if you're, you're cleaning dishes right now, you can actually just take a moment and say, Jesus Christ, thank you for paying for my sins. Thank you that you offer me this free gift of, of, forgiveness. I know I'm not perfect, but I receive you and I call you my Lord and Savior. Anything you would add to that, Tabitha? Would anybody regret making that type of decision or commitment? No, not at all. And that peace that surpasses all understanding is for real. 
But I also want to acknowledge those that have either done that a long time ago and still feel distant from God. Like it is always okay to ask Mm. him to come closer, right? Like he never actually leaves us. It's us that kind of turn away and walk away. He's still the same spot. So we can always turn back around. Even if you've already accepted Christ, but you found yourself in deep, deep in sin or deep in negative thoughts or whatever is holding you back. You know, being able to just feel free to go back to Christ. And also for those that, you know, this sounds interesting, but it's more just head knowledge. That's okay. Like allow yourself just to do more research, you know, just allow yourself mm-hmm. to to read the Bible, read articles. Um, God is good and he'll show up however he needs to. And so we don't have to prove anything, right? And so just allowing um, those that, again, it's in their head, but not in their heart yet. That's Okay. Take the time that you need, but still be proactive on that. Yes, yes, uh, really good. Yeah, God is is better than you think, and your soul will never actually find rest when you're always trying to earn, when you're always trying to kind of come up with the kind of live under the law, which is really the Jewish tradition is we have all this list of do's and don'ts uh, that we have to come under. That's actually not what Christianity is. Uh, there is a relationship with a real person that you can have. So obviously that's the most important part of rest, but what are some of your favorite ways to rest uh, beyond that um, in terms of just some practical things that that you find to be mm-hmm. restful? So I get up at five in the morning and before my kids get up, my kids get up usually around six. So I have about an hour that I am just by myself and I have one spot to go to. One thing that I found is if I have to make too many decisions early in the morning, I already feel overwhelmed. And so if I know exactly what time I get up every morning and exactly the spot that I'm going to go sit in, it reduces decision fatigue later in my day. Um, So that's been really helpful as well as just I love to read like actual books, actual books. And I don't bring my phone with me. I put I leave my phone plugged in away from my bed, sometimes even in a separate room and just go have time. Now there, it is amazing how often I want to like reach for my phone, right? Like you really start to understand how much you rely on that when it's away from you, but how freeing it is when it's away from you and just to sit again in silence or maybe put on some music. Um, I love to run. Running outside is just wonderful. Every time I travel, all these King's Council trips have been great. And I've been able to run outside and explore whatever city we're in. Um, and, and just traveling, traveling has been very restful for me. I know it can be stressful for others, but, uh, traveling to me releases expectation and responsibility off of myself. If I'm not in my home, that I don't have to be like on it all the time. I allow myself to kind of just relax and enjoy and let the day happen to me. So those are some things that I really enjoy. Been doing a study on rest actually. And, um, it's interesting how, it's so simple in the the standpoint of you know I'm looking into all the Greek and or the Hebrew whatever some of the original meanings of these words and really to rest just means don't work like don't actually do something productive even reading a book I can find there are different ways to read a book where I'm reading one is is from the standpoint of I really need to get this information or I'm studying it's it's work to me and there's other types of reading that is restful to me same with running I think some people, they can find running to be one of the most strenuous things of their day or running can be can be restful. Um, have you found that certain activities based on your mindset with them can be either work or restful? Oh, so yes, um, definitely the books. Like I love self-help books and I realize that isn't necessarily restful for me because I'm like, oh, I should do this and I should do that. Um, so the type of book that I read for sure. Um, and then also like realizing before I go to bed, I need to do things that rest, like calm my soul, right? So I wouldn't go and run yes. and then go to bed because that is restful, yes. but that kind of, you know, makes me excited. And so being able to um, know the difference of like what self-care is and what calms you and what kind of amps you up is so, so important. And I think um, they call it the, what was it? The parasympathetic buffet, um, through own it, yes. you know, we talk about of like, what is it that you can do before you go to bed and, um, just to calm your system down. And also I have a weighted blanket. I just really encourage weighted blankets. Um, it just, it's like a big hug. It's wonderful. I agree. I just got a weighted blanket about a month ago and I've been loving it. So 
I'm with you on that. Now, I really wanted to talk about your your coaching programs and some of the different things that you're doing with that um, before we have to wrap up here. So, yeah, can you tell us uh, a few of the different programs and, and how you've seen that benefit yeah. people? So it has been really neat to watch women just kind of be discipled through the programs. Um, I've offered various ones throughout the years, but most recently I have one called the Life Edit. And so it's this idea that, We need to make changes in our life, but sometimes when we call it changes, it makes it seem like it has to be this big, crazy shift, and then everything's changing around you. And I just wanted something very simple and, again, like to create order and one little small little edits and just tweaking them at it like one at a time is just really important. Um, And so being able to help women build self-trust to know that like they're going to make this one little edit and then another edit and then they can get bigger and bigger and bigger edits and then they realize, wow, I'm like really transforming, right? I'm getting up more consistently. I'm going to bed at a better time. I have like a better mindset with my kiddos. I enjoy my quiet time with the Lord. I've had women who allowed themselves to realize I don't want to live in this state anymore. I want to move someplace else and be able to have enough confidence to have that conversation with their husband, come up with a plan and move. So whatever the woman is feeling like when she comes to me, that like kind of a desire or maybe not even have any clarity on what it is she wants, being able to help her again, very small incremental edits, get to where she wants to go. And I focus on who they are, what they want and how to get it. And just again, very basic, small things. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, I just want like to go hard and let's just do a big program. But I, I really challenge my gals. Like it's, we're just going to start small and it's going to feel very frustrating, but I promise you it's going to be more sustaining. So who they are, what they want and how to get mm-hmm. it. And when you start with them, do you do some kind of assessment? If someone comes and says, my health needs help, my relationship with my spouse needs help, my parenting needs help, my cleaning needs help. Where do you start in that type yep, of situation? I have them choose one thing that they want to create order in. And then it's, it's very hard, right? And the good thing is that there's not a right or wrong answer, right? You choose one thing and then you, you end up seeing that order is kind of created in other areas as well. But you focus on one area of your life and we always go over their values, right? So what are their five core values? And then we help kind of have make that a lens that we look at the creating order. So if um, honesty is a value of theirs and they want to create order um, in their health, right? Being honest with themselves, like how much do you weigh? How much are you eating? Like you need to be very clear and honest and just, um, again, being able to make it specific to the woman that I'm working with is so important and connecting to who she is to what she wants to do. Because anyone can go on Pinterest and print off, uh, you know, bedtime routines and eating habits and how to organize your closet. It's really kind of getting to the core of who they are and what God wants of them and how they can do that without feeling so much pressure and stress. Even just in this conversation with you, I can tell how much you appreciate um, people feeling not feeling judged, people not feeling that pressure, not feeling overwhelmed by those things. And I think oftentimes what you just said, those two things of honesty and awareness, the reality of, hey, here's where you're at, but also the support and the ability to to meet somebody where they're at. I feel like a lot of times people feel like those two things are opposites. You know, one is truth and one is kind of grace and kindness. And either we're, we're coddling people and we're saying, oh, it's okay. Uh, or we're really harsh with the truth. And you say, hey, wake up. This is your, your weight or this is your whatever. And it, it could be almost two different approaches. How have you been able to marry those two things of, we're going to talk about the reality of where you're at, but at the same time, there's no judgment here. You can actually be really vulnerable and I'm on your team. Yeah. Well, I really feel like the Holy Spirit <laughs> is is the main benefactor um, in that, um, as well as just the empathy of feeling so torn and judgmental of myself, right? As I've, you know, worked towards goals. And so just understanding where the woman's at, like personally, 
um, that has allowed me to marry those two things. And again, I am very much on like truth and justice, but like the empathy and softness part, right? Working in a jail, things were very specific. You you had to be like very clear on expectation and boundaries, but then you could also bring in the love. And Jesus showed us that too, right? He didn't coddle people. He spoke truth wrapped in love. And that was when people yes. truly were able to receive it and transform. Man, if the church could understand that, because I've seen, and I see this in my own life as well. I think I typically err on one side or the other, either I'm blunt and, you know, the Bible even says that love isn't rude. Um, and it's like, um, love is gentle, you know, or, or a fruit of the Holy Spirit, you know, gentleness. I'm like, oh, man, that wasn't actually very gentle. It was really honest, but it wasn't very gentle. Then on the other side of things, I can see people that, you know, maybe for years are in a relationship where they're gentle, um, but they never actually expose areas of weakness or sin or blind spots that we all have. We just actually need someone to be loving, but also honest. Oh, I wish the people of God could get more of a revelation on that. I know. And one thing that we can learn from Jesus, right, is he asks questions. And that's the basis of life coaching, right? It's just asking questions. Mm. Many times it has nothing to do with what we say to someone. It has everything to do with the specific question that we're posing to them that allows them to reflect on what is actually going on and have them face the situation. And that's, I think, next level because it's so, it can be hard when you feel like this is so obvious. Like, how can you not see this in your life? But to allow them to come to that conclusion without you just telling them, but just asking those questions and kind of leading them down a map of, hey, you believe two things here, but those two things can actually coexist. So there's something that's not quite clicking there uh, in that conversation. So that's yeah, that's such an amazing uh, insight um, in how Jesus dealt with people. He so often asked questions. Now we're just about out of time here, but if someone's really connecting with what you're saying, maybe they even want to work with you. What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? They can find me at my website, tabithaperry.coach. Um, I also have a podcast called The Life Edit with Tabitha Perry. They can listen in on that. And I can be found on social media at Tabitha Perry Life Coach. There you go. So tabithaperrycoach.com. <laughs> yeah. And then on social media, just said Tabitha Perry Life yep. Coach. Great. And you have a podcast um, that people can listen to as well. Any final thoughts, anything, any last words that you want to say to our listeners, anything else that you want to encourage people in before we wrap yeah, up here? I want to encourage those that are feeling, especially those overachievers where they're never doing enough, they're never enough, that you are enough and that God loves you and give yourself permission to just take a break and then you'll have even more energy to do all the things that you need to do and God loves you. Well, Tabitha, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come and spend some time with us on the podcast. I am really looking forward to seeing you and your husband here in just about a week for yes. our marriage event. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Caleb. It's been a lot of fun. Yes, it has. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Chosen Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Spittler, and we will catch you on the next episode. Bye.